This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So what a season. I feel every few weeks I say, what a season. <laughs> so before lockdown, yo, we had a really challenging, the one week especially, <clears throat> Uh, we did the you know, Daryl, one of our farmers and life group leaders. He was he was murdered on his farm, close to the farm, and so we had a memorial service that week. And yeah, it was really tough. I couldn't I couldn't function. It was such a shock. And in that same week, um, Sonica heard of a friend of theirs from their hometown. Their son, 19 year old son, was in a died in a car wreck, student from driving home as a student. And then we heard of Vian, our sons, one of his friends, dads, 40-year-old, died of a heart attack. And so Sonica was like praying at some point, and she said, Lord, can, can I please have some good news? I can't take all this bad news anymore. And then she felt... God speak to her heart and say to her, but you have good news. You have good news. You have the gospel. You received good news 2,000 years ago. I believe that was such a powerful word because the gospel, the good news that we find in Jesus, it transcends all possible bad news. And so I want to, we're going to, in this series, we're going to talk about this, the gospel. The gospel is good news. It is incredible good news, but sometimes we don't understand how wonderful and how glorious the gospel is. So about four years ago, uh, our family went on a, a weekend away holiday. Here's a picture of us. We went just outside of East London, and uh, it was a... I think it was a Sunday, every, every morning we would go to the beach and just go walk on the beach. And so the one Sunday morning, uh, as we stepped onto the beach, I felt a voice on the inside tell me, get ready to run into the waves to save your son. I was like, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> what paranoia is this? You know, I was like, no, nonsense. You know, I felt, just felt, maybe that's just paranoia or something. But so anyway, so we went, walked onto the beach and Sonic and I, we were chatting, we were about 80 plus meters away from the water and Vian, our son at that time, he was seven or eight years old, he was playing in the waves, like, you know, shallow water. And so Sonic and I was talk, we were talking and I was standing with my back towards the, the water, and so we were walking down the beach, little, like probably for an hour, just walking and chatting, and Vian was following, sort of also <laughs> moving along. And at some point, we just heard Vian scream. <laughs> so what happened was he kept on following us as we were walking down, and then he came too close to the rocks, and suddenly it went deep, and then the ocean current took him and pulled him into the ocean. Sure, it was emotional. 
So I was like any good dad would do. I first took out my phone and gave it to Sonica, and then I took off my sunglasses. You know, that's modern going to save somebody. You first have to ungadget yourself. <laughs> and then I stormed into the water and f- grabbed him and pulled him out, you know, but we were shaken, you know, so shaken and emotional and, you know, crying even, you know, we were all just, because we were thinking about what if we didn't hear? What if we didn't hear him shouting? What if we weren't focused? I mean, within a minute, it would have been game over. So, yeah, I will will never forget it. It was just such a moment. And I believe it is a prophetic picture of people drowning in their sins. For me, it was that picture of As I stormed in there to save my son, I believe it's a picture of our heavenly father, of of his sons and daughters, his prodigals, his lost ones who are drowning. And, And someone needs to storm in there to save them. But we were so shaken because we were playing it out in our heads. But what if, what if, what if he drowned? What if we lost our son at seven, eight? It would have been the worst day of our lives. And about 50 meters away from where Vian went into the waters where he was, he was pulled in by the current, there were two guys on the rocks picking off mussels, I presume for fishing or something, but they were busy there and, and they didn't even know. <laughs> They didn't hear the shout. They, didn't, they weren't aware. They were just going on with their, their little thing. And I feel, I feel like that's also a prophetic picture that there's a whole lot of people who are busy with their small, insignificant little things while 50 meters away, someone's drowning. And so I want to hold that before us. That picture, people are drowning in their sins. And there's a whole lot of us who are so busy, so distracted, so involved with our peripheral, non-important things that we're not even aware that people are drowning. So I want to hold this before you. And today I want, I want to do more than just share a message with you. I want you to hear the heart of the Father. As I felt about my boy, that passion for my boy that is drowning... Our heavenly father feels way more. He is, he is experiencing. You know, I was thinking about this. What if I wasn't there and those two guys were there on the rocks? If, if I could speak to them, if I could cry out to them, if I could plead with them. I was like, guys, focus, turn around, listen. Don't you hear? Do something. It's my boy. If you could... I'm hearing the cry of our Heavenly Father. So my question to us this morning is, are we hearing the cry of our Heavenly Father? Are we experiencing the compassion of Christ for those who are drowning in their sins? And so I'm trusting that the compassion of the the Lord will, will touch us. In this week, I felt... 
the voice of, of, of Father God saying to me, my children are drowning. Are you aware? My children are drowning. And it's like God is wanting to, through us, reach those on his heart. So I'm trusting for, for a shift in us today to hear, to, to catch the heart of the Father. You see, love moves us. Love acts. It's like me on the beach that day. My love for my boy was like, I don't care how cold it might be or how dangerous the ways might be. I'm like, it's my boy. <laughs> I'm moving. <laughs> love moves. You don't even think about it. It's just like, here's the phone, <laughs> and then you run. You know. And I believe God wants his love to move us. His love to move us. So we're going to look at the, the gospel in all its glory. And the classic, probably the most, the well, most well-known scripture in the Bible reveals to us the heart of God. John 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he moved, that he acted. That he sacrificed. Love moved the father to give up his best, his own son. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. Should not die. Come on, say not die. But have everlasting life. You see, the gospel of salvation in its essence is not about life but about death. It's about your death. It's not about life primarily. It's about death. It asks this question. A hundred years from now, where are you going to be? When you die, what is going to happen to you? Where are you going? That is what the gospel is wanting to answer. It's saying that you might not die. It's concerned with death. That's what it's about. God is concerned with the death of people and what will happen after that. So that whoever believes in him should not die, should not perish eternal death, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Come on, say saved. Sometimes we say, hey, I'm saved. But do we know what that means? What are we saved of? We're saved from our sins. You see, the whole world, outside of Jesus, of a living relationship with Christ, everyone is drowning. Everyone. No, everyone falls short of the glory of God. Everyone's drowning. And we, might, we, we can't be confused about this. But love moves us to reach Him. They're drowning in their sins. You see, if you die and you're still in your sins, then you have to pay for it yourself. That means eternity without God. But if you are found in Christ, you are saved eternally. You know, so in this season, you know, all the negatives and all the bad stuff happening, you know, people sometimes ask this question, why do bad things happen to good people? Do you realize that only happened once in the history of the world? Only once. 
did something bad happen to someone good? 2,000 years ago at the cross. When Jesus hung on the cross, that was the last time and the first time that something bad happened to someone good. The rest of us, there's no one good. So you can't ask, well, why did something bad happen to someone good? No, that's not, not good. We are, none of us are good enough to make heaven. None of us are good enough to be with Jesus based on our own works and our own strivings and our own goodness. We're not good. The Bible is clear about that. I'm going to unpack that in the, in the coming messages. But there's no one good. So this, this question is what the gospel is about. 100 years from now, where are you going to be? Because this life is short. It's as short as a breath. Where are you going to be? And so the gospel, the good news is that despite all the stuff, all the negatives, all the bad, everything that's happening in this life, despite the worst you can imagine, you've got good news. The pain of this life is short-lived. Eternity is forever. And we can be with God where there will be no tears, no pain, no sorrow forever. That is good news. So who are you and I going to be? Are we going to be the one that runs in and save? Or are we drowning? There's people dying. So in the series, I want to basically get two aspects. The one aspect is the glory of the gospel. And the other aspect, I want to look at how can we reach others for Jesus? And I know many of us feel like, oh, not good enough, and not qualified, and I can't. You know, they've said... There are two groups of people that hate evangelism, believers and unbelievers. <laughs> we all, we don't like it, you know. It's like, oh, I don't know what to do it. But we're going we're gonna to do it together. I'm gonna, we're going to take it step by step. Okay, so um, a few years ago, I, I had this drop into my spirit, this truth. If you build it, God will come. If you build a kingdom culture, a fivefold ministry culture, God, Jesus, and all His glory is going to come. Now, for this series, we're going to focus more on the evangelistic side of things. I want to say this. If you build a soul-winning culture, Jesus will come as Savior. If you build a soul-winning culture, the Savior will come. And I tell you, when the Savior comes, it rocks your world. And before lockdown, I had the privilege of leading a few people personally to Jesus. Wow. I tell you, it's nothing in this world compares to leading someone to Christ. Someone that was in darkness, someone that was far from God. To lead them into relationship with Jesus and to see their lives flip. It's just like incredible. And I'll never forget on that day when I ran into the waves to, to save Vian. Later that day, he came to me and he said, Daddy, thank you for saving me. I'll never forget that. Yo, and we cried again. <laughs> it was just like, thank you for saving me. You know, someone, someone's going to say thank you to you. One day when you walk into heaven, someone's going to say thank you to you. There's going to be a bunch of people waiting for us. Thank you. Thank you for taking that time. Thank you for, for reaching out to me. Thank you. I want to hear, hear a bunch of thank yous. <laughs> I want to see. Because <laughs> that is what really matters. 
But if we want to build out a soul-winning culture, if we want to prepare an environment where the Savior can come, we need to embrace the mission. Like we sang the song, this missionary's anthem, we want to go, the harvest is ready. We want to see where every tribe and tongue, Jesus, you are worthy. We need to catch, we need to say yes to the missionary's anthem. And it should move us. It should move us. It should move us. Love, let love move you. So um, I think some of you should know, at like, end of last year, I started to play a bit of golf. So December and January was very slow with all the lockdown stuff. So I was playing golf. And then I was playing squash. And then around June, I told Sonic that this last month now, I'm going to full on golf. So because squash is then, my league has stopped then for, this, for the month or so. So I'm going to do golf full on. I mean, like, I can't do anything half. <laughs> so I like warned my wife. I'm like, golf, it's going to be. Because I want to be a scratch golfer. You know, I wanna, I'm, I'm, I'm coming from scratch and I want to be a scratch golfer. Okay, so it's, it's a lot of work there in between. Takes a lot of money, effort, time. I'm like, ooh, I don't know if this is worth it. You know, and you go for, play for golf for five hours with a bunch of guys. Do you know what? No meaningful conversation at all. At all. We just talk about the ball, little white ball, and we're hitting it. I'm like, Aish, I would really appreciate some meaningful conversation. Can we do something meaningful? So anyway, just before the lockdown hit, I was, because uh, I can see my wife's a little bit worked up about all the effort and the time I'm putting in. But anyway, so at some point I was praying, and I felt God speak to me. And he asked me a question. God loves to speak in questions. So he asked me a question. Andre, do you want to play golf or do you want to change the world? I was like, oh, that's a difficult question. <laughs> that's such a difficult question. Because <laughs> I'm like, I want to do golf. And I, and, I, and, I, and I heard the heart of God. It was, and I could see it in my wife's eyes as well. She's like, I could see it in her eyes. Andre, you are just so falling short of all that God has planned for you. And so anyway, golf is dead. Jesus is in. <laughs> but it was difficult. It was difficult to let it go. But I, I, I could feel God calling me higher. In the same way, I feel the Spirit of God wants to come to us and he wants to say, Hey, you want to do that or you want to change the world? You want to do that or you want to storm into the water and save somebody's soul? What are you going to do? You see, what I feel what has happened to many of us, I think sometimes especially to us men, you know, because we've lost that missional passion, the mission of Christ, we, we reduce ourselves to secondary missions. Passions. It's not a sin. It's just secondary. It's like last night, the box club, the British Lions. I'm like, yes, that's beautiful. But there's something better than that. That's embracing the mission of Christ. It's saying, yes, Jesus. Signing up to the army of God. And saying, Lord, I'm going to be a soldier for Christ. I want to see souls saved. I want to see lives transformed. Because that is when we come alive. So what is the Lord saying to you this morning? What is the Holy Spirit coming to put his finger on?
You know, between Sonic and the Holy Spirit, I'm going to stay on track. If I'm not listening to the Lord, I can see it in my wife's eyes. I'm like, don't look, don't look. <laughs> I'm enjoying. <laughs> oh, there's something so much more meaningful than hitting a little white ball. Although, obviously, it's not a sin, guys. Don't misunderstand. It's not a sin to have hobbies or to... It's just when, we cons- when it consumes us and it fills our lives, meaningless things, we need to reevaluate. So I want to call us higher into pursuing the Lord. So the greatest miracle this world has ever seen is when one soul turns to Jesus. That's the greatest miracle. Nothing compares. The angels in heaven rejoice over one person, one heart that turns to Jesus. And we need to catch that again. We need to embrace that again. Our heavenly father, his heart is crying for his sons and daughters, the prodigal ones who are drowning. And he's not looking at them as like miserable sinners. He's like, these are his children. He loves them. They've lost their way. They've always been lost. But he loves them like we would love our own children. And even for some of us, you know, I've been talking to some of our, our members and things. You know, some of our own children are losing their way. Are we, are we aware? Are we aware even of our own children losing their way? Matthew 24, verse 14. The gospel. The gospel. The gospel in all His glory. It says that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. Then the end will come. This is good news. This gospel. This good news of the kingdom. The applying the power of God to see souls saved. It must be preached. It must be proclaimed. So we're going to unpack that. So I want to ask this question. What is the purpose of the church? What is the mission? If, if, if church community was compared to a vessel or a boat, would it be this, this picture, luxury liner? Is that what it's about? Is our mission as a church to make it as comfortable as possible for everyone? Just don't mess with my life. Don't make things uncomfortable. Don't ruffle my feathers. I'm, man, I'm just coming. It's convenient. I've got my quick in, out, yes. And I go on with my own life. Is, is, is that what the church was meant to be? Is that the purpose of the vessel? No. Or is it this? The next one. The U.S. Coast Guard. It's like a life-saving vessel. In other words, the crew, the people on the boat, they know. We've been trained. We've been equipped. We know what this is about. We know what this deal is about. There's a storm outside. Someone's drowning. We're going to get out there. We're going we're gonna to get out there. We're going to get wet. We're going to get our hands dirty, but we're going to bring in the drowning ones. We're going to go out and save them. We're going we're gonna to touch them. We're going we're gonna to reach them. And this is the real purpose of the church. And I know we feel inadequate and we feel like we can't do it, but we're going we're gonna to help you guys. But the starting point is just to catch the Father's heart. Say, God, I want to. I want to. I want to be a soul winner. I want to help. I want to reach them. So if we are to build a soul, if we build a soul winning culture, the Savior will come. Come on, guys, we're going to see the Savior reach a soul and change their lives. It's going to be epic. So here's another picture of Jesus and give us some context. Genesis 6 verse 17, it speaks about Noah's ark. 
And he speaks about in that season, the mankind became so corrupt, so wicked, so depraved that God was like, we have to start over. They become so dark. And judgment came onto the whole world. Only those within the ark were saved. Only those in the ark. You see, that ark speaks about Jesus. He is the Savior. Everybody in Christ is saved from the judgment. Everybody outside is lost. Genesis 6, 17, it says, And behold, I myself, as God, am bringing flood waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh, and which is the breath of life. Everything that is on earth shall die. That's a picture of everybody outside of Christ is lost. We cannot be confused about that. I will unpack that in the, in the future. But the Lord spoke to Noah and said, build a boat. Build me a boat. Build me a vessel so that mankind can be saved. In the same way, I believe God is saying to us, build an environment, a soul-winning culture with that passion for the lost, the heart of the Father within us, the love that moves us to bring in the lost. I believe that is what God is calling us to right now. The Father's heart is breaking for His children. 2 Corinthians 5.20 continues on this theme. It says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God was pleading through us. As I was like, as I were a dad of those guys on the rocks there, I would plead with them, please go. Please hear the cry. Please move. Please stop being distracted with peripheral things. Get the main deal. Embrace the main mission. As, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you in Christ, we are be reconciled to God. Turn to God. Verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus became sin, took all our sins upon himself. Sometime between 12 noon and 3 o'clock on, 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 on that day that Jesus was crucified, sometime in that slot, your sins were placed upon Jesus. And now you and I can receive his perfection. We can be in right standing with God. That is a good deal. Despite all your stuff ups, despite all your sins, all, 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 all the negatives, all the sin in your life, whether lust or lies or stealing or hatred or anger or selfishness or any, all the negative, all the dark, the worst darkness of your life, Jesus took that on himself. That's good news. <laughs> That's good news. I mean, by putting our trust in Jesus, there's this massive exchange that happens. His perfection becomes ours, not by works, but by faith. Not by earning His goodness or forgiveness, but by simply trusting in Jesus. You and I can be saved. Man, that is a good deal. You see, I believe this is something that just dropped into my heart over this last season. No one in their right mind will ever reject the love of God. No one in their right mind would ever reject the love of God. Because this is a good deal. This is like eternal life. Plus peace, plus joy, all your sins washed away, meaning in life, forgiveness of all your stuff. Wow. No one in their right mind would ever reject 
the love of God. The problem is everybody's not in their right minds. <laughs> and that's where you and I need to come in. We need to help people to get into their right mind and their right heart. That's through prayer. That's through love. That's through let love move us so we can help people like, yeah, Jesus is amazing. <laughs> I've seen this. People coming in here like, oh, they had this expectation of church. They come in here and then they just weep and weep and weep as they encounter the love of God. They say, I, I did not expect this. And they're like, how can I not give my life to Jesus? No one in their right mind would ever reject Christ. It is his love is so amazing. So imagine this for a moment. It's like a picture of the Titanic. The whole world's on the Titanic. The Titanic is sinking. Everybody's drowning. And then all these life-saving boats around the Titanic. Because this is Jesus. This is the gospel. And you are in one of those boats. And you're rowing around trying to save people. Trying to get them into the boat. To save them out of their sins. And you come to the one and, and you're just too late and they drown, they die. How are you going to respond? I mean, this is a crisis. The whole ship is sunk. There are thousands die. How are you going to respond? You've lost one. How, what's going to happen? How are you going to respond? Are you going to park there? Are you going to sit there? Are you going to now weep and, and, and park there and give up because you've lost one? No, you're going to get up and you're going to move out. You're going to reach the others because there are thousands of others also dying at that very moment. You know, in this season, there's been a lot of tragedy. There's been a lot of disappointments. We've had friends die. We've had parents die. We've had children die. We've had disappointment upon disappointment. So what is your response going to be? Is that going to become your grave as well? I'm saying no, it's not going to be my grave as well. I'm going to get up. I'm going to embrace the mission of Jesus Christ because there are other people who are dying in their sins. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to get moving. I'm going to let the love of God move me. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to share the good news of Jesus. And I'm going to trust God to bring in the harvest. And I feel in my spirit there's a whole lot of people who have stopped at the last disappointment, at the last tragedy, at the last death of a loved one or disappointment, whether it be in the workplace or a business or financial loss or whatever it might be. There's a bunch of people that have like, I've, I've given up my faith, I've given up my hope, I've given up the mission of Christ, I'm just making my grave there as well. I feel the Spirit of God is saying, get up. Embrace the mission of Christ. Let love move you. There's another one to save. And then there's another one to save. And then there's another one to save. You need to embrace the mission of Christ. Otherwise, it's going to kill you. The negatives are going to kill you. Get up. Come on, say it. I'm going to get up. Get up. Get up. I really feel my spirit. Some have stopped. And God is saying, get up. People are drowning. The father's heart's cry is, my sons and my daughters are drowning. That's what Sonic and I are telling one another. We have a whole lot of disappointments in this season. You know, our response is, get up. It's time for the kingdom to come.
You know, with Daryl's memorial, when Daryl died, or was murdered, one of the toughest weeks I've had in a very long time. I was, I was dysfunctional that week. I couldn't function. I was just praying the whole week. Like, what do you say at a memorial where you have a wife and little kids and a whole farming community offended, angry, upset, hurting, fearful? What do you say? You preach the gospel. You point them to Christ. We've had, I think, about 15,000 people watch that memorial service. So many lives touched all across the nation, even internationally. Touched. Someone at the end of the previous service came to me and she said to me, she didn't want to watch the service, she didn't want to hear the memorial, but then a daughter called her to come and watch something and then she listened to my message and she said, she was so encouraged. There's hope in Jesus. There's life in Christ. It is not the end when someone dies. We have eternity. This life is short. Suffering will come. But it's nothing compared to spending eternity with Jesus. So we need to get off our focus back. We need to get the context right. Get up and follow Jesus. Amen. Come on, say it. I'm going to get up. Get up. I know this with all my heart. I mean, we've been through stuff this year, I tell you. <laughs> but I know on the other side of massive disappointment, there is massive breakthrough. If you don't lose your faith. I believe God is building a mature faith into us. A mature faith that can walk through disappointments and still know who Jesus is. He's powerful, he's beautiful, he's the savior, he's the healer, he's the resurrection and the life. Amen. I am so excited in my spirit. I've got a supernatural excitement in my spirit. Because I know when stuff goes down, then the kingdom is coming. Amen. Come on. Start living the mission of Christ. Don't give up. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Say yes. Sign up to be part of the soul-winning army of Jesus Christ. And then let love move you. Let love move you to pray. Let love move you to build bridges to other people. Let love move you. But how? I mean, if, if, if no one in their right mind would reject the love of God, how are we going to help people to get into the right mind? Because we can. I, I, was, I read this passage and just so jumped out at me, just so spoke to me that no one is beyond salvation. No one is too far gone to not be able to turn to Jesus. They must just be in the right mind. And the best example I can think of is in Mark chapter 5, where it speaks about the man of the Gadarenes. This man had thousands of demons. He was running around naked in the tombs. He would, the demons would break chains. I mean, he, this man was a mess. He was as dark as it can possibly get. And then what happens? Jesus gets on, steps onto the scene. It says in verse 6, Mark chapter 5 verse 6, when he saw Jesus, this is a man with a lot of demons, a man who's not in his right mind, a man who's so much darkness. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son, the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said, Jesus said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. 
You see, Jesus walked in his authority. He came all that way for this one man. And then Jesus stepped out, and in a sense, he prayed. He stepped into his authority, and he said, get out. Let go. Stop blinding and deceiving and tormenting this man. It is his time to be saved. So powerful. Jesus walked in his authority. Was a, I was reading a book by R.T. Kendall, a well-known theologian, and he says that they, he was leading a church in London. And, uh, and they would do, every Saturday morning, they would do street evangelism for months, every Saturday morning. And he said, no one got saved. It was like nothing. He was wanting to give up. And he said, then at some point, a group of intercessors, a group of people, small group of people, started to join them, but they prayed while they went out. And he said, the moment they started to pray, from that day, people started to turn to Jesus. Like a whole lot of people started to turn to Jesus. Incredible testimony started to to spread of people coming from other nations who were by chance in that area, walking past their church and having an encounter with Jesus. But the key was to start praying because that removes the blindness, the deafness, the confusion of people's hearts and minds. The enemy... Is real. Darkness is real. But no one in their right mind would reject the love of God. Amen. No one in their right mind would reject the love of God. So let's pray. We see this in verse 15. It reveals that after the man was set free, then they came to Jesus, the townspeople, and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Come on, say right mind. Because I sometimes work with people, and I'm like, you surely are not in your right mind. I don't tell them that, but I think that. You surely are not in your right mind. As he was in his right mind. Can you imagine that? Like maybe decades of being completely demon possessed, and in one moment, being in his right mind. That is the authority that Jesus has given you and me in his name. Come on, let's trust. Through our prayers, let love move you to your knees. Let love move you to pray. Let love move you to walk in the authority that Jesus has given to you. To pray for people by name. Say, devil, get out of their lives. Lord, we trust you for freedom. We trust you for freedom. So people are drowning in their sins right now. Who are you going to be? Are you and I going to be the one running into the waters to save them? Are we going to be the guys on the rocks being distracted with peripheral stuff? Who are you going to be? Are you going to be the guy or the lady that gives up because of disappointment? Massive disappointment? Because massive disappointment will come. Are you going to be the one that moves beyond it? And God uses that massive disappointment to mold you, to form you, and to strengthen you to become a vessel that brings glory to his name. On the other side of massive disappointment, there is massive breakthrough. Someone's child is drowning right now. What are you going to do about it? Let love move you. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.